Hi, and welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Greg, and we are so glad that you decided to join us online today. We really do have an amazing service planned for you. We have our very own Nick Toomey, who's going to be giving the message, and we're in our fourth week of our Crave series. And this morning, Nick is really going to be talking about body image and how so many of us, all of us, to some degree, struggle with what we see in the mirror. So we're going to be interacting with that idea, but also learning how the Bible confronts that problem. Hey, and I want to say thank you, too, for all of you who like and share our content on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You really are integral and a part of our effort to spread God's message of love and hope, not just locally, but truly around the world. Well, we're going to get started in just a minute. We have um, Ryan, and we have uh, a great uh, worship set planned for you, so let's get started. morning. Welcome to Kensington Church. My name is Greg, and we are so glad that you are with us today. Uh, I'm on staff here, and it's my pleasure to be with you this morning. And hey, if it is your first time with us, an extra special welcome. This truly is a safe place for you to explore your faith. Well, today we've got an amazing service planned for you. We have our very own Nick Toomey, who's going to be giving the message. We're in our fourth week of our career. Yeah, we can give it up for Nick. Yeah, hey, hey, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. Um, I was through the, I sat through the first service, obviously, and uh, we really are going to be challenged by what God has to say today. Uh, we have about a 70-minute service together, and uh, while we get started, if you grabbed one of these programs, well, you came in the door. There's a couple things that I'd love to get on your radar. The first, if you turn it around, you'll see uh, a list of trips in 2018 that uh, we as Kensington Church are a part of. And the church really is passionate about not only uh, this place and locally, but also the globe and spreading God's message of love and hope. And so just to highlight a few, we have an Israel trip. We've got trips going to Haiti. Uh, to Kenya, to Brazil. And so if you'd like to find out more, I would encourage you to go to kensingtonchurch.org slash trips to find out how you can be involved, uh, whether it's helping support someone else or if you're feeling God's call to be a part of these trips. Secondly, uh, on the other side of your program, uh, you'll see Right Now Media. Now, we have a short video here pretty soon that's going to show us more about what Right Now Media is. But just personally, uh, right Now Media has really been a big part of my life because it's an online catalog of thousands of Bible teachings from some of the best teachers around the world. And even in our small group, we use Right Now Media to stream content. So as a part of Kensington Church, you now have access to Right Now Media if you go to kensingtonchurch.org slash rightnowmedia. But let's look at the video to find out more of Right Now Media. Hey, Kensington Church, we are so excited to share something with you today. Through the years, I have benefited from listening to great podcasts, messages online, watching videos, attending conferences, and hearing from some different teachers, leaders, and perspectives in my desire to grow. I know that so many of these resources have encouraged my relationship with Jesus, how I lead my family, and how I lead others. And now we have an opportunity that puts all of these resources into one place. It is the Netflix of Bible study material. There are over 14,000 videos that we're going to give you access to absolutely free. 
It's called Right Now Media. These videos are gonna help you in the areas of parenting, finances, your relationship with Jesus, questions around apologetics, your leadership in the workplace and at Kensington, the Bible studies you lead. These are great videos for your marriage, for your family, and for your kids. And we are so excited to be able to give you access to this resource because we believe it will encourage you, your family, and the people you are leading. And it will encourage moments where Jesus transforms and mobilizes you towards his mission and purpose in this world. We believe that will have an impact on the groups and teams that you lead here and throughout the week. We hope you enjoy Right Now Media. So we really do encourage you to log on and get your free invitation to hold Right on, Now Media. Hold on, hold oh, on, hey, Ryan, I'm hey, right hey, in the middle of, yeah, announcement. Isn't he doing a great job? Oh, thank you. He's thank awesome. You. I love All that. right, I mean, that was a, they, I, was doing, I did a so-so job <laughs> judging on good. that. So okay. here, here, here's the deal, here's the deal. We're in the Crave series, okay? Yeah. And we're talking about our body image. That's the topic of the day. And I wanted, I wanted to pitch an idea to you. Is that okay? Can I just throw this out? Yeah, there? I mean, we couldn't have done this okay. like during the week or no, something? But, but right it, now, it's okay. spontaneous, right, sure. guys. Right, we go. You like spontaneous, right? Okay, so I had this idea for a game. Right. And I wanted to invite my friend Bill Marsh Jr. to help me. Is Bill out in the crowd? Is there a Bill Marsh? All right, let's give it there up for he Bill. is. All right. There he is. There this, we can we give it up for Bill Marsh Jr., everybody? Come on. He's got his own entrance music and everything. All right. <laughs> All right, let's give it up for Bill. All right, Bill. Now, everybody knows, at least it knows Bill, you're, you're pretty cut, man. Like, you're pretty ripped. Like, you, you're a CrossFitter, right? That's amazing. I want to be a CrossFitter like you. I could be, but I think I feel like I need more influence from you, at least for today. Maybe maybe you'll influence me after today. Who knows? But we have this game that I want to pitch to Greg. Greg. I'm All right, here we go. You're still pitching to this. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. Oh, Otherwise, good. this okay, doesn't good. go on. Yeah. So I have this idea because Bill's a CrossFitter and we wanted to start some fun, lighten the day a little bit. This idea of a game called Burpees with Bill Marsh Jr. (laughs) But for this to be a game, we need some contestants, right? Can I have my contestants come to the stage right now? Contestants, on your marks, let's set go. Let's welcome our contestants. Come on, everybody. All right, let me introduce these guys. All right, what's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Justin. Justin, and what do you do? Are you a CrossFitter? More like bodybuilding. More bodybuilding. I love it. All right. And, and Caleb, this is my, my brother, Caleb. I like your hair. Where did you get the hair from? Alabama. I love it. <laughs> that looks like a, yeah, I can see that. Okay. Are you a CrossFitter? Or? I'm a dad and a baby builder and a baby lifter. I love uh, it. I can relate to that. That's awesome. And then here's my brother, Sawyer. Sawyer, what do you do? Are you a CrossFitter? What do you do? A buddy. Bodybuilding, awesome. So we got a bodybuilder, we got a dad, we got a bodybuilder, we got a crossfitter, we got a lot of diversity here on the stage. So if you guys could get on your marks right now, I'll explain this game to the crowd. Now, if you're on this side of the auditorium, you are on Sawyer's team. Can we get up for Sawyer this side? All right. So if Sawyer wins, you guys win a prize. We got some Hope Water Project swag. You guys will win. So you got to cheer them on, all right, to the side. All right, this side over here, you guys are the Bill Marsh Jr. crowd. Come on, give it up for Bill. All right, if he wins, you guys get prizes, okay? This is Caleb. You're a chiropractor, right? 
It's awesome, all right? He can fix your bed and do burpees. It's awesome. He is, if he wins, you guys get a prize, all right? Give it up for Caleb. Come on, come all on, right. give some, make some noise. All right, and this side right over here, Justin, right? This side gets a prize if Justin wins. Does that make sense to everybody? <laughs> now, this is a burpee relay race, Greg. This is a oh, burpee okay. relay All race. Right. So on the count of five, I'm going to count from five down to zero. I need you guys' help, and we're going to get started. They're going to run around the building and do some burpees. The first person to ten burpees wins. All right, you guys ready, crowd? Back row, you guys ready? Here we go. Five. five four. Come on. Three. Two. Whoa, go! go! Alright, oh, we lost a shoe. We lost a shoe. Oh, they're rounding the lobby. Oh, I hope no one runs in anybody. Oh, oh look at go. Sawyer, there man. Right. He's trucking. That Martin. dude's got some yeah, wheels. Here he goes. Here he goes. Now, Greg's our referee. Greg's our referee. This one. Sawyer's running to his burpees. Two. Oh, Bill. No. There we go. Where are these other guys? There they are. Oh, my gosh. What's happening? Oh my is. gosh, these guys are going for it. Okay. This is crazy. Greg, are you keeping track of this? Oh, Sawyer! Right. Oh my gosh. Can we give our contestants a round of applause? Right, Sawyer. These guys are incredible athletes. Thank you, So You want to hand those out to your section. Let's give them all a round of applause. Right, thanks, thanks, Bill. Guys, Thank go. you, Caleb. Thank you, Justin. You lost your shoes. Now we'll find them. All right. <laughs> All right, were you inspired to do burpees now or just to say never, never again? I will never do a burpee. Well, I'd love for all of us to uh, stand up. We're going to say hi to those around us, give a handshake or uh, a high five to those around us. So go ahead, stand up. And we're actually, if you've got, a, if you've got some seats, you can crunch in in the middle and open up some seats for people who will come in a little later. All right, let's have a great service. Hey everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now, we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today. That's startingpoint.today and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here. All right, church, let's get our hands up like this. Come on. Waking up knowing there's a reason. All my dreams come alive. Life is for living with you. I've made my decision. Sing you lift me up. You lift me up, fill my eyes with wonder. Forever young in your love, this freedom's addicted. With you, no moment is wasted. See the sun now bursting through the clouds, back in white.
singing with us. We're going to lead you guys in another song called Grace to Grace. Sean is going to lead it. Hope you guys experience God and can connect to it in a deep way. Let's sing this together.
together.
did it again. Oh, I need a third service so I can get this right. I'm sorry, you guys. I just got lost in that song. I'm Nick, by the way, if you don't know who I am. Late at the first service, late at the second one. Okay. Yeah, I guess you can sit down if you want. That's fine. So glad that you're here at Kensington. My name is Nick. I'm a teaching pastor here on staff, and these days I'm spending a lot of my time actually outside of Kensington making disciples and planning little churches that meet in homes and so forth. Um, but we're glad you're here. Uh, one of the ways that we worship, uh, believers do this all over the world, is we worship through, um, through generous hearts that help fund local churches like this all around the world. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and we're going to receive the offering. Thank you in advance for those who give generously in support of Kensington's work, which is not only impacting Traverse City in northern Michigan, but all over the world through amazing uh, initiatives. And if you're a guest here today, you just, you know, give if you want, don't give if you don't want, that, that's fine. We're just glad that you're here. Uh, you've already heard about, you know, some exciting things that are happening. And, and as the service progresses, um, my prayer is that this morning, um, that God will speak to each of us in very personal, specific ways. So that when we, when we leave here and head out really into our mission field to, um, to bring hope to the hopeless and light in in what is sometimes a very dark world, Uh, but that God would speak to each of us in a very personal way, as I believe he will um, in in this next element. In just a moment, um, there's going to be a drama and a kind of a song dance package that's very, very powerful. And um, I think it's going to be particularly powerful for the women, girls and moms and grandmas and married and single, but I think it'll be powerful for the guys as well. Um, We've been in a series called Crave, which is about these cravings, these longings that we have, which as I get into the teaching in a moment, we'll find that the cravings in and of themselves are not bad, but they can veer off in ways that can be very hurtful and destructive. And so uh, I would just invite you now to just um, keep your eyes and your ears and your heart open and let the art of this next moment uh, speak to you Um, and let God speak to you in a really profound way. So glad that you're here today. on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. I watch TV shows, and I read self-help books. Titles like How to Be Beautiful at Every Age, How to Feel Great, 
how to be a healthier you. All the newest, smartest, bestest, greatest ways to take care of yourself. How to heal yourself, free yourself, love yourself. How to drop 10 pounds in two weeks. How to drop 10 pounds in 10 days. How to drop 10 pounds in two hours. How to curve your cravings. How to tell good carbs from bad. How to eat chocolate and still lose weight. Now that's a secret even I want to know. I have figured out how to have fuller lips and hair, better eyes, better surgery, better workouts, a better life because I have the right lip gloss. Yeah, apparently that's a thing. Will it ever not matter that I'm too fat or too skinny or have laugh lines or furrowed brows, age spots, wide hips? Can we say bodacious mom bod? Hello. Yeah, you get it. So how do I get that body? Without liposuction and spanks, workouts, or any work. Why can't I say, or why can't I sag, sink and shrink? If my, that's what my body wants to do. Why can't my fat pants just be my pants? When will I hear you say that who I am is enough? Quite enough? Without all of this? Is that even possible? Will it ever be that I don't have to work so hard to be something that I can't be or won't be? Should I have to fight to make you like me, love me, or even see me? It didn't get me the man. It didn't get me the job. It didn't make me happy. It didn't get me the self-esteem, the self-worth, the self-anything. didn't get me what I wanted. It didn't get me what I needed didn't get me more love, more attention, more hope, more, more, more. Will you ever just see me as enough? Will I ever hear you say that? Will I see me as enough? Why can't my body sag, sink, and shrink if that's what it really wants to do? Why can't my body do that? Why can't I?
that could be another moment for me to miss my cue. Wow. I wonder how many of us have that tape, that narrative running around in our head. It would be painful to admit it to people, but I suspect that many of us at some level have that question running around, will I ever be enough? Will I ever be enough for you? Because we live in a world where love so often seems to be conditioned on a variety of things, whether it's gaining somebody's approval or, or whatever it is. And so that's a very powerful, I'm sure it shook some of us to the core, because that's the, that's the question that we're wrestling with, is will I, the real me, uh, will I ever be enough? And those struggles that we all have at some level um, are often tied to everything from family of origin issues that are unresolved um, to, you know, issues of abuse and neglect. Um, certainly the cultural messages, which I'll talk about in a moment, all of that can, can create that, that, that undertow uh, where we, we find ourselves asking, am, am I ever going to be enough for you? So that's what this whole Crave series has been about. And whether it's, uh, whether it's a, you know, uh, the craving for approval or addictions or digital devices Patrick talked about last week or something else. I want to start off with this statement about appetites, desires, and passions because I don't want you to misunderstand. I wrote that they are not, these appetites, desires, cravings, if you will, passions are not inherently negative. God actually made us with these deep longings. I believe in the deepest, profoundest way, you know what the real true longing is? In addition to the longing to be unconditionally loved, it's the longing for heaven. It's the longing for the world that God originally created before everything was corrupted by sin. So the passions and desires, they're not inherently negative, but when they become our God, they control us in a destructive way rather than us controlling them in a redemptive way. And really, the, when you think about these cravings and, and these appetites, whatever they may be, because there's a ton of them out there, there's basically, they only understand one word, and that word is more. You know, more affirmation, more attention, more alcohol, more drugs, more success, more digital devices, more cars, bigger, more, 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 more stuff. But all these cravings, that's not the root issue. That's the fruit. That's the stuff that we see. We see the people clamoring for approval. We see the people strung out with addictions. We see people on their digital devices. We see that's, that's, that's not the root issue. That's, that's, the, that's the stuff that we see above the waterline. The root issue that triggers so much of this behavior, it's an it's a ugly little three-letter three uh, biblical word, but it really does get at the root issue. It's sin, and sin, I'm just defining it as human beings rejecting God's loving authority over our lives in favor of our own. Basically, we decide we want to try to play God. And a verse that kind of uh, captures this inner struggle that we have in so many areas of life it's been a theme verse in this whole Crave series. It's from Romans chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul, who was the main author of the New Testament, Paul was a Jewish relig religious leader who had a dramatic conversion, became a follower of Jesus. He became a disciple maker, a church planter, and an author of 13 of the letters. Here's what he wrote in one of the letters to, the, to believers in the city of Rome. Right in the middle of the letter, Romans chapter 7, he says, I don't 
understand myself. Can did anybody ever have a moment where you just look at yourself and go, what in the world was I thinking or doing? Did anybody relate to that? Or is that just me? Seriously, I, like, there's so many times where I go, I don't understand. My wife would say that she doesn't understand me either, but, uh, but for I want to do what's right. I really do. And by the way, that implies I actually know right from wrong. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I actually agree that God's laws are good. And he goes on to say, so I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. So Paul's basically saying, there's kind of two me's that are in conflict. Toonies, <laughs> playing words, sorry. Anyway. It's a bird. That was an ADD moment, sorry. <laughs> but uh, where was I? Good morning, everybody. Um, anyway, so there's, so there's these two natures. There's this nature that wants to honor God, but there's this selfish, sinful uh, part of me too. And Paul says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. And then he, I'm skipping down a couple verses, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. And I'm sure we've, you know, if there's a shred of humility and honesty in this room, haven't you said that from time to time? Man, I'm just, what a mess. Who will free me? And I love the the way Paul phrases this. He doesn't say, what will free me? He doesn't say, um, how am I going to figure this out? Because he had played all of his cards. So in a desperate moment, he says, who will free me? That's a humbling thing to say. Because he's admitting, if somebody else doesn't do for me what I can't do for myself, I'm cooked. So he says, who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death, which is the root? And he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ the Lord. Now, I know that last phrase sounds like this little churchy platitude, but I hope by the time we're done to persuade you that there's really profound truth, that Jesus really is. It's not, it's, and I'm all about going to, you know, 12-step groups and all that kind of stuff. There's healing and health and community, but there is a healing and a freedom that only comes in a relationship with Jesus. And this applies to our our cravings for approval for alcohol, drugs, digital devices, and stuff. But today, since we're talking about this hyper-focus on our bodies that is pervasive in our culture, um, Kensington decided to interview a psychologist who lives in the metro Detroit area that does a lot of work uh, with Kensington staff members because a lot of us Kensington staff members are going, what is wrong with me? Not me, of course. I'm talking about other staff members. Uh, so Jack is a very wise guy, and, and, and he was interviewed by Dave Wilson, who's one of the teaching pastors. So take a look at this interview, and then we'll talk more. One of the uh, cravings we're going to talk about in the series is the body. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, again, a real tension because you want to take care of your body. Mm-hmm. It can become something that gets out of control, mm-hmm. either with fitness or eating, overeating, mm-hmm. under. So talk yeah. about that a little bit. When does the body become a danger? Well, the body has two pieces to it, as I, as I understand the question. One is reality, and the other one is not reality. Okay, when we're in a circumstance or situation, as we are in our culture, with an absolute pandemic uh, of obesity uh, and all the diseases that go with obesity, that's something that we have to be aware of and, you know, and, 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 and alert, and we have to have good nutrition, we have to have exercise, I have so many people over the years who have who've come to me about, you know, weight issues. You know, how can I lose weight? How can I control my weight? You know, and I'm, I'm really a person who believes that the simple and easy are not synonyms, never have been, never will be. But when someone says that to me, I, you know, I, I give a, a simple response. Uh, 
eat less, exercise more. Um, and then you'll have the probability that you'll have, you know, less of an, of an issue, you know, of, with controlling your weight. And that's really actually research-based. It's not just, you know, something that I, that I throw out there. Um, but just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy because there are all those other variables in there in terms of, of cravings and emotional balance in our lives and you know, all, the, all the kinds of things that are made available to us. It is such a natural thing for that to develop into a craving. And then for many, many people, food becomes an addiction. Uh, and there are two kinds of addictions, Dave. Uh, there's a substance addiction and a process addiction. Eating is a real difficult one because it's both a process addiction and a physical addiction for, for many people. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a tough one. That's why we see so many people who struggle with it and we have to have empathy and care and concern for them. And uh, just because I can almost in a cavalier sense say uh, uh, eat less, exercise more, that doesn't mean that it's easy to do it just because it's simple. Yeah, and a physical craving or addiction they're different but how the process addiction um, in its purest sense most addictions are a combination of course but the process addiction in its purest sense doesn't have a physical part to it okay and I'm going to go back to the body image uh, Im body and image thing you know that's a process addiction in many ways whether we're talking about all the way at the extreme you know of, of anorexia or whether we're talking about uh, people being obsessed about having the perfect body Culture sets up norms, you know, and the cultural norm that has been set up uh, for us uh, is lean, six-pack, um, no bulges, you know, all of those kinds of things. That just isn't realistic. Right. So in the process of attempting to get there uh, and in trying to get as close to that as we can, we, we can become obsessed with exercise and we can become obsessed with controlling food. And that is the process that we have become addicted to. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So the physical addiction then is actually something. Physical. It can actually be the food. The physical, you can be physically addicted, you know, to, to food because it triggers uh, all kinds of different kinds of things. You know, some of us are very, very sensitive to our palate. We get great pleasure from eating certain kinds of foods prepared in certain kinds of ways. Um, and... Others of us uh, become uh, addicted to the physiological response that we get. Mm. Uh, and then others of us get physiologically addicted to never feeling full. Mm. Uh, and again, that's a, that's a physiological and, you know, and psychological thing. So I was at Crave, uh, not Crave, I'm sorry, at uh, uh, Render Wednesday night, which was amazing, by the way, if you've never been to that, you've you got to come check it out. But at the end, they had brownies out there, caramel sea salt brownies. Seriously, I, I think I'm addicted. Actually, I didn't eat one, which I'll explain why in a moment. But uh, that stuff, you know, I'm grateful, because, uh, like, I don't want to turn this into, like, this... Uh, health and fitness, motivational talk. You can get that anywhere. Besides, I'm not the best person to do that. Like burpees with Bill. Bill Marsh should be teaching this because he's like ripped. But um, so here's, I just want to raise this, this, this level of, of sort of tension. When you get out of bed in the morning, I'm talking about not so much diet and food, but like how we look. When you get out of the bed in the morning, do you, do you like the person looking back at you. It's like, check this out. 
I know what some of you are thinking. I'm sexy and I knew it. <laughs> what happens to us when we go to sleep where we wake up looking like that? My, my wife is like, you're going to actually show that? You look like you just got arrested. <laughs> well, these days, <laughs> seriously, like I get up and I look in the mirror and I, I just kind of laugh. You know, I'm 59, heading towards 60, and I sometimes will joke with, with Rose, and I'll say, honey, I'm twice the man you married. <laughs> and then there's, like, weird things that happen to your body as you get older, like just a moment for the guys, like guys, anybody in their 50s or 60s, do you know how rare it is that you make it through the night without visiting the bathroom at least once? That just got weird, didn't it? Yeah. Um, or like, like, there's like a lot of things I could go into, but I won't. But like, I'll just give you one example. Skin tags. What are they? <laughs> Seriously, I got this thing on like on my neck and like one day it's not there. And the next day I'm like, what is that? It wasn't there. Then it's there. It's like a miracle that I didn't ask for. It's just kind of strange. But we've got this, you know, all these statistics on health and, and fitness web pages. So here, like one out of five men, two out of five women would trade three to five years of, uh, of their life to achieve weight goals. And the irony is if we actually achieved our weight goals, we'd probably add three to five years to our lives. But the diet industry has sales of 40 billion. I've heard that's up maybe upwards of 60 billion each year. 41.3 million Americans have gym memberships. I wonder how many of them actually use them. Um, uh, young girls are more afraid of becoming fat than they are of nuclear war, cancer, or losing their parents. And this one really rocked me. 80% of 10-year-olds have tried dieting. It's like, wow. I actually got this, um, this, this blog. I, I get this blog every day from a guy named um, Jim Dennison. And this was the one dated January 23. He says, the, um, my glasses here, the news consistently reminds us that we are not the captain of our, f- no. Oh, I cannot believe that. That's not the right. Okay, I, I went to the wrong blog. Uh, but it's Jim Dennison, and he was telling about how recently in Saudi Arabia, true story, came like two days ago, they were having this competition of camels. People were show, like, sh- like show dogs or whatever, but they're camels. And there's people in the stands cheering, and they're coming down the dusty track. Twelve camels got disqualified. You know why? Botox injections in camels. I'm like, what? (laughs) Seriously? But that's the kind of world we live in. That blog said that 91% of women don't like the way they look. And oftentimes, the women that we think like are the, the, like the prettiest women, you ask them, they don't like the way they look. Most of them. And about 90% of the guys think the same thing. So um, it, it begs the question when you look in the mirror, How do you feel about the person looking back at you? I want to show you a picture of a guy I met years ago. His name is Harley Swiggum. Even saying his name makes me want to laugh. Harley Swiggum. I don't know why. But Harley Swiggum was a a, uh, Lutheran pastor for years, and he created a curriculum called the Bethel Bible Series. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's a great overview of the Bible. It's really good. So I went out to Madison, Wisconsin, and went through the Bethel Series and and hung out with Harley a a couple times. Now, Harley Swiggum... Here, how would I describe Harley? I, I mean this in the kindest, sweetest way. He's about six foot one and 140 pounds. Tall, lanky drink of water. He, he, he has kind of like oily, 
greasy hair. He had really bad skin when he was a kid. He would wear like a suit, but there was always coffee stains on his white shirt and cigarette burns because he's a chain smoker. And he just, he looked like he slept in a suit for three weeks. That's Harley. Harley is standing in front of a couple hundred of us one day. And he said, you know, when it comes to my body, and people started to giggle because he was just like, he didn't even try to be funny. He was just funny. He says, you know, one day I got to the point where I, I started standing, you have to see this guy, about 6'1", 6'2", just a tall drink of water. He goes, I would stand stark naked in the mirror. And I got to the point where I'd look at myself and go, not bad. <laughs> He'd go, I actually feel sorry for people who don't look as good as me. Oh, my goodness. I, I love that. about. But he is a, that's a rare guy that gets to that point. And the funny thing is, is he actually meant it. He was totally comfortable in his own skin. Most people are not. And I would say one of the main culprits is this girl right here. <laughs> and her sidekick, Ken. Did you know that this is the absolute truth? You can Google this. I did, and I was shocked. There are women who go through unbelievable amounts of cosmetic surgery to try to look exactly like Barbie. Somebody mentioned that, and so I Googled, and I found this woman in Russia. Then I, I looked a little further. There's like multiple women. It's freaky. Did you know that Barbie, if she was a real human being, she would, she would be six foot one, 100 pounds, and her measurements would be 39, 18, 34. Ladies, is that even anatomically possible? I, I, I don't think it is. So you've got, you've got, you know, Barbie's been this icon and people like her. Um, you know, a lot of these supermodels that are six foot one and 100 pounds are massive heroin addicts and, uh, and, and severely anorexic. And that's who we're trying to make our, you know, emulate our girls. Then on top of that, you go to the grocery store or these days you go online and you see images like, Mark Wahlberg looking studly and cut, and then you see, <laughs> you see, uh, who is this? Julianne Huff, and I don't know who she is, some model or some actress, and I don't know how you guys feel. I got all these flyers. Get out of here. Uh, it, it, I don't know if these motivate you or make you just want to quit, but it, it, because here's the deal. If we try to be them, it will never happen because you cannot airbrush reality, right? You can't air. And do you realize this is massively airbrushed stuff? In fact, I saw an interesting quote from the, uh, the president of CVS, which is a chain of, of uh, drug, drug stores. Um, Helen Folk said that the connection between the propagation of unrealistic body images and negative health effects, especially in girls and young women, has been established. Earlier um, in the fall, my daughter Chrissy is down here and with my wife Rose, and we, our whole family was down in Orlando, and we, we just had a family gathering. We've got a timeshare, and so we, we, we traded it for a place down there. And we took the kids uh, to Legoland. That was kind of the big hit. But our grandson, Rocky, Chrissy's son, had never been to Disney. So we went to Disney. And, uh, and while I'm um, walking down, now I'm, I'm going to get myself in hot water here with my wife. So if, maybe for the rest of you ladies, I'm going to ask a little grace in advance. Because I'm walking through the park. And, you know, there's just people everywhere. And I'm a people watcher. And I noticed this family. There's a guy. I noticed the guy. I did notice the guy. Okay. 
And then they had a child. I don't know if they were married, boyfriend, girlfriend, but I noticed the woman. I really noticed the woman. And, and this is the part that could really get me in trouble. What I noticed was her backside because she was, she was in front of me. And I'm, looking and, and, and I'm looking and I'm going, something's wrong here. This, it's like look, you're looking at a painting and you're going, what? And, and, and I'm just trying not to stare because I didn't want to get hit by my wife and, and you know, gawking at people. And, but I'm like, what? And, and then she turned around. And then, then it all came together because it wasn't just her rear end. It was her, it was her really, it was her whole face, everything. Uh, eyes, nose, cheekbones, breasts. And, and, and I just, it, it sort of shocked me and broke my heart to think about the massive amount of work that she had to have done to actually not even look human. I'm not kidding. I'm not trying to be mean or I'm just saying it, it was just, it was like shocking to me. So that's the world in which we live. The Barbie dolls, the, the images, the Golden Globes, the red carpets, all of that stuff is coming at us and our kids and especially our daughters all the time. So what I want to do now is I want to flip the script because I don't know any place else that you're going to get what you're going to get now. And that is... What does God have to say about our bodies? Does he have anything to say about them? And in fact, he does. In fact, there are two verses that I want to camp on for a moment. And I'll tell you what, if you can get that from here to here, then you'll have a Harley Swiggum moment. You'll be standing in the mirror going, not bad. (laughs) Seriously, like that would be awesome. Um, So it's from Psalm 139. This is King David reflecting on his relationship with God. And David says, for you, he's referring to God here, for you created my inmost being. Now, that's worth just, see, the way that we should engage with the biblical text, like if you're having, you know, a cup of coffee in the morning, you open your Bible, some of you do that, some of you have never done that. But if you've never done that, just just look at that. For you created my inmost being. And just ponder, well, I, I've been told my whole life, I just was like part of an evolutionary process. I'm a complete accident of a random universe. Not according to this. That's why I say you're not going to hear this anywhere else. David says, for God, you created my inmost being. Catch this out, this next phrase. He says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You knit me together. I don't know how many of you uh, have ever done needlepoint or knitting. I haven't. I've seen it done. But um, I I was intrigued. I thought for those of you guys who say, I'm a man, I would never do that. Check this out. This is a picture of Rosie Greer. Anybody remember that guy? NFL All-Pro. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Now check this next photo out. Rosie Greer. What's he doing? Knitting. If Rosie Greer can knit, we can knit. But I want you to notice... Look at them for a moment. Can you see? You, you can almost, well, I can see. I don't know if you can, but there's this like sort of concentration, concentrated brow. Really, fun. you can't knit from a distance. Knitting is intimate and it's particular. And so let me take you back with that picture in mind. It says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's an incredibly beautiful, profound statement. And David says, I praise you because I am, say this with me, 
fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made. And then he concludes and he says, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. But let me ask you, do we actually know that full well? That we are, in fact, fearfully and wonderfully made. When you look in the mirror, that person looking back at you, whether you realize it or not, knit together in your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. More often these, than, these days than not, when I look in the mirror, I, I just wrote some hashtags. Hashtag seen better days. <laughs> That's what I see. Hashtag downhill from here. Hashtag what happened to you? <laughs> Uh, I thought it was funny. but So I think because mo- many of us really struggle with believing what God says, and I get why we would struggle with that, because we don't access his word very often, and we're bombarded with messages that tell us you're only lovable if you look this way or have this kind of body, how you're this tall or this short or whatever. It, then we end up with these, what I would call uh, an, an example of extreme bodies. And so I want to share with you kind of two extremes as it, as it relates to our physical body. One is worshipers on the one hand, and the other one is neglectors. So let's look at the worshipers. Worshipers are people who say, we take a, a whole handful of vitamins a day, but we're actually not extreme because we know somebody who takes two handfuls of vitamins a day. Or a worshiper may say, well, we, we exercise five days a week for two hours, but we're not extreme because we know people who exercise seven days a week twice a day for four hours each. So obviously we're not worshipers. We, or we max out credit cards on trendy clothes because it's not enough for us to have the perfect bod. We got to look good. And then at the first sign of aging, we use whatever, lotions, potions, pills, or surgery. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to use lotions, potions, or whatever, but there's a point at which it's like, seriously, can we just calm down? Like, I don't want to, like, be disrespectful or hurt anybody, but have you ever seen somebody who's, like, 70 years old trying to look like they're 25? Did I just offend anybody? Is anybody going to leave? I'm not, again, I'm not trying to... And, and I, by the way, I, I see people who are in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s who are stunning. They're stunning. I, I had the chance to visit Madeline Julian, uh, who used to attend Bay Point in the older days, but she's got some health challenges. She's, she's 92 years old now. So I go to the hospital, and there's Madeline, and they wheel her, and she's a little spitfire. And, uh, and she's 92 years old and is beautiful. She's, 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 now, she's a little stinker, um, but, but she, she's a beauty. So, so that's, that's, the, that's the one side of the equation. Then, on the other hand, we've got not the worshipers, but the neglectors. Neglectors, we eat like there's no tomorrow. This would be me. We drink like fish, and we smoke like chimneys. Uh, Our motto is, yeah, I know, I know, I oughta, someday I will. We have the latest, greatest exercise equipment, and we use it to hang clothes on. (laughs) And we drink Diet Coke because it says diet, and we think we magically lose weight. So obviously we're not neglectors because we drink diet sodas. And that's just all kind of crazy. But Romans 7, if you, if you kind of interpret Romans 7, when it comes to these extremes of worshipers or neglectors, here's, here's what Paul says. For I have the desire to do what is good, which is uh, right uh, to eat right and to exercise. Because like what Jack Wilson said is true. It's, it's simple. It's not rocket science. I'm in a pre-diabetes class, by the way. 59 years old, my blood level has crept up, and I'm right 
Like, if I don't get it together, I'm going to be type 2 diabetes. It runs in my family. And so you know what they told me? I go to this class on Wednesday nights. And basically, every week they tell you the same thing. Exercise more, eat less. But Jack is right. Simple does not necessarily mean easy. But Paul says, I can't carry it out for what I do, which is to eat Doritos out of the bag and ice cream out of the carton. Again, I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about other people who do that. And we don't exercise uh, is not the good I want to do. And then he, it, uh, we'll pick it up uh, later on with the solution to that. But, if, but here's the deal. Uh, well, I should mention this too. Parents, when it comes to the messages that we give our kids, because if you're a worshiper and your child is a bit of a neglecter or, or whatever, you just have to be very careful what you say to your children about their bodies because words create worlds. And oftentimes we say things to our children about their bodies, especially girls, and they carry them for decades. So just be careful. And there's other extremes when it comes to our bodies I haven't talked about. Um, With regard to extreme food, for instance, you've got on the one hand, you've got your overeaters and the obesity and the diseases that come with that. But then you've got a massive problem with undereaters, anorexia, bulimia. We had an exchange student years ago. She was 19 years old. She looked physically like she was 10. I don't know this for sure, but I don't believe that she, is, she ever went through puberty. I think her eating disorder pre-adolescent was so severe it ruined her, whatever, the, the hormones just got completely out of whack. So whether it's food, whether it's your body, we do come back to this question that Paul raises in Romans chapter 7, and it's this. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, when we're talking about our bodies and body images, it's like, seriously, how does Jesus rescue me from from these these cravings, these obsessions? Because, again, as I said earlier, it just sounds like this religious platitude that that preachers use. But I want to, I thought about that, and I wanted to give you a few very practical ways where the person of Jesus can, in fact, set us free and help us to maintain a healthier balance as it relates to a wide variety of areas of our lives. The the addiction to other people's approval, I've got to have more and more alcohol or drugs to numb the pain inside or whatever it is, but as it relates to our bodies, how does Jesus actually help set us free? Well, here's the first one. Jesus loves us unconditionally. Let me come back to Psalm 139. The psalmist said, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, if you stay with that, dialogue with God about that. Think about it and respond. Like, if I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, for the person who is, you know, 6'4", 175 pounds, kind of a long, tall person, the person who's, uh, I've got a son who's got a very different body type. You know, he's short and stout and just just muscular, so he can carry a lot more weight than, than some people. And I, I just love the fact that we have different body types. I really do. I, I remember I was a teenager, I think, in the Olympics, the 76 Olympics or something were going on. The Russian women had a 7'2 center. I thought it was kind of cool. Now, she probably had a hard time getting a date in high school just because there's not many guys that big, but... I just think it's awesome that we just, you know, some of us have brown hair, some of us black or blonde or red hair, some of us have no hair. It's all, it's all good. You know, some of us are heavier, some of us are thinner. And what about skin color? 
I've been to, I haven't really been to like Scandinavia, but I've at least seen people who are so pasty white, it's kind of fascinating. Like you seriously need to get out in the sun. And then way on the other side, because there's really no truly white people or black people. It's just various shades of beige and brown. But I've seen people in Africa who are so dark, there's almost a bluish hue to their skin. And it's amazing. It's so cool. And so, like, if we can say God fearfully and wonderfully made all of us, tall, short, heavy, thin, dark skin, lighter skin, somewhere in between, and it's all good, it's like, then I think you can stand in the mirror and go, well, you know where I'm going with that, right? So that's the first thing. Here's the second way. The Holy Spirit dwells within our bodies, and if we, if we grasp that, we shouldn't be walking around with a cocky swagger, but I think we should walk around with a sense of nobility. If you become a follower of Jesus, when Jesus comes into your life, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within you. Here's what Paul says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 6. He says, do you not know? And I think he asked that question because a lot of people didn't know. He said, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? He's talking about our physical bodies. Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Now, he's talking here about sexual purity. That's the context. But I believe that the idea of honoring God with your body applies to every area of our life. We shouldn't be worshipers. We shouldn't be neglectors. But we should be respecters of this temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. But one of the ways that Jesus helps free us from these crazy cultural norms is, wait a second, you know, maybe I'm not going to be on the cover of GQ. Maybe I, you know, whatever. But the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I think we should walk, again, not in a a spirit of arrogance. That's completely antithetical to the life of Jesus. But I think we ought to hold our heads high and... And with a sense of, uh, of nobility, that, that, that God made me the way he did. He made my body for, he, he made me by, by God and, and for God's purposes. And I, I mean, again, if that goes from here to here, I think that can make a big difference. And the third thing is Jesus shifts our focus away from an obsession on the temporal, the actual life of Jesus. He, he, it's not that he ignores our physical bodies or the temporal world, but he, he shifts us from an unhealthy focus on the temporal to a focus on the eternal. Let me explain what I mean by that. 700 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah, speaking to the nation of Israel, but also somehow by the Spirit peering into the distant future, wrote these words that any scholar who has studied the Bible understands this to be a detailed description of Jesus 700 years before he was born. And it speaks to his actual physical appearance. So check this out. This is Isaiah 53. It says, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Now check this out. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Now, how do we know? It's a bit obscure. How do we know he's talking about Jesus? It goes on to say he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of sorrows and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Well, maybe you're still not convinced. 
goes on to say, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. And here's what really seals it. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. In the last verses, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's very clear in the New Testament that Jesus was the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. But based on the, on the description in there, that, that there was nothing about his physical appearance that would have drawn people to him. People crossed international boundaries to be with Jesus, not because he was some combination of George Clooney meets Brad Pitt meets whoever else, but because there was something inside of him that was so powerful and magnetic. Jesus may have been very average in appearance. We don't know. But there's something about Jesus that, that filled a deep hole in people's hearts. In fact, Blaise Pascal, in a very famous quote, said, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person, and it can never be filled by any created thing, including the ideal body. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. You see, when God, through Jesus, when he fills that Back, that vacuum in your heart. And when you understand your true identity, that you're deeply loved, fully forgiven, knitted together, fearfully and wonderfully made child of God. When you know that your body was created by God and for God's purposes. And when we maintain an eternal perspective on this temporal body that just changes over time, then we can avoid the extremes of the worshipers and the collectors. We can begin to live comfortably in our own skin. But I'm telling you, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to be deluged all over again with a whole different cultural worldview. So you're going to have to make a decision here as to what voice you're going to listen to. Patrick said it. I wish I could remember the quote a couple weeks ago, but it's that narrative. Basically, who are you going to listen to? The, the voice inside of your head that's shaped by the culture or are you going to listen to what God has to say about you? So let me give you a couple next steps. So here's some inner steps. These are just kind of in our head. One is to air, reject the airbrush realities of the perfect body because it's not real. So many of the images that we're seeing that we think are the, like this is the standard, it's literally, it's not real. Can you say that with me? It's not real. So we gotta, we got to get that clear in our heads Another inner step is just to embrace the beautiful imperfections that make you, you. I could point out some of my additional beautiful imperfections, but I'll spare you the details. But there's some like weird stuff. It's like, well, wow, but it's part, of, it's part of what makes us us. So those are inner steps. That's just sort of a change of, of mind. Here's some outer steps. One is to, and I know that this is like ridiculous, okay, but eat less and work out more, but I think this is the key, do it in community. That's why I'm going to the thing on Wednesday night. So they're not giving me any really much new information. But the fact that I'm going with a bunch of other pre-diabetic people, I don't know, we can cheer each other on. And plus, I'm a cheapskate, and they told me that the average annual cost of type 2 beaties is 12 grand. I'm like, what? Okay. I'm going to start hanging out with Bill and doing burpees. But here's some eternal steps. 
And, I, and I, th- I think that this is the big one, is to receive Jesus into the innermost part of your being. I'll come back to that in a moment. But then also because healing happens in community. Fellowship happens in community. Follow Jesus with others. So Ryan and the band, they're going to come out here in a moment. They're going to sing a song. We're going to actually have communion together. But let me just set this up by telling you about a story from John chapter 6. In the Gospel of John, Jesus had been teaching, and there's this huge crowd of hungry people. And uh, long and short of it is Jesus ends up feeding 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with uh, two small fish and five small loaves. It's one of the great miracles recorded in the Gospel of John. After that, Jesus begins to teach because he provided bread for all these people. And he starts to teach about himself being the bread of life. And here's what he writes, or what he says in John 6.35. He said, I am the bread of life. I wish I could teach more on the I am. It's, it's really what got Jesus killed because that is the, the Hebrew equivalent of Yahweh, the holiest name of God. And the Jewish people knew that Jesus was equating himself with God at that point, which was utter blasphemy. It's one of the main reasons they killed him. But he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, illustrate it this way. For this apple or any kind of food to benefit me or any of us, a few things you have to do. You have to put it in your mouth. You have to bite it. You have to chew it. You have to swallow it. And in this miraculous process that we take for granted called metabolism, that apple becomes part of me, part of my hair, part of my skin, part of my nails. Here's the point I want to make. What we do with an apple is what we need to do with Jesus Christ. Listen again to what, what Jesus says in John chapter 6. He says, the one who feeds on me will live because of me. The one who feeds on me will live because of me. kind of funny because I'm standing on stage eating an apple in front of you and I'm actually kind of hungry. <laughs> and it's a pretty good apple. So I'd like to just sit here and finish it if you don't mind. No, I'm just kidding. I actually would, but I won't. But here's the deal. This apple will do me no good if I just set it on a table and don't eat it. And in the same way, if we treat Jesus as if he is some religious iconic figure and we leave him on the table and we do not in any meaningful way take him into our life he will do us no good but if if we take him into our lives which is really what communion is a reminder of if we take him into our lives he will transform us from the inside out and it's not religion, it's not a set of rules, it's not a, it's not a self-help program, it's Jesus. 
his unconditional love. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's Jesus who reminds us of eternal realities as opposed to the temporal that gives us the ability to live in this world and all these crazy messages that we get every day with a kind of freedom and peace where we can literally be comfortable in our own skin. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and they're going to distribute the communion elements. And uh, as, it, as, the, as the plates come by, there's little pieces of bread and cups. Please take one of each and um, maybe wait a little bit until they're distributed. But as, as, uh, as Ryan um, sings, it, at any time, um, feel free to take the elements. But before you do that, let me just tee it up and remind us that shortly before Jesus died, he was in an upper room with his disciples. And it was the Passover meal. And during the meal, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he gave thanks to God. And then he passed it out to his disciples, kind of like what we're doing. And he, and he said, this, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, remember me. And what we want to remember here is the price that Jesus was willing to pay to purchase our salvation, our forgiveness. We also want to remember that for him to do that for us means he must think a great deal of us, including the way he made us. And then during the course of the meal, Jesus took a, a, a cup of wine and once again he blessed it and gave thanks and he said, this is the new covenant which is established through the shedding of my blood for the remission, for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you drink from this cup, remember me. Remember who he is. And remember that as we partake in communion and as we take symbolically Jesus into our lives, he's the one that, 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 that sets us free from so many of the things that enslave and imprison us in our culture. I pray today that if you're a follower of Jesus, you will be reminded again of his great love. And maybe today, if you're just here saying, man, if there's a God in heaven, if there's grace and mercy, if there's hope for me, then maybe you could participate and take those elements. And in the act of taking the bread and drinking the cup, it represents your moment of saying, Jesus, today, right, right here is the moment. Uh, I'm going to follow you. So you, as the elements continue to be distributed, you just take those elements when that moment feels right and uh, listen as, uh, as Ryan uh, um, ministers to us. And then we've got a closing killer worship song. So thanks, everybody.
time I'd like to invite us all to stand and sing one closing song and uh, the song is called Reckless Love and if you're a person that's in this room that uh, needs to declare something and say something and respond to the message you heard today I just encourage you let's just sing this together with one voice so good to me for I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me let's lift it up no
so love that song, and I hope that, that you just carry that with you out into a world that, that gets so many messed up messages about who we are. You know, one of the early accusations about the very earliest followers of Jesus is they were the ones that went out and they turned the world upside down, but in reality, what they were doing is turning the world 
right side up. And if we can get that, the truth about who we are, the depth of the reckless love of God for us, that, that we're not accidents of some evolutionary process, but that we are the knit together ones. Amen? Amen. We're the knit together ones. Yeah. It means you got it together. Yeah. I don't care what the world tells you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you believe that, it'll set you free from all kinds of stuff. And then God wants us to go out in a world that doesn't know this stuff. So I want to say thank you for hanging in there. I, I think I ran a little late. It's the first time in my life I've ever done that. I can't believe it. So thank you for hanging in there. And, uh, but I want to just pray us out, and then we're going we're gonna to go. So Father, thank you for your never-ending, overwhelming, reckless love that chases us down, fights till we're found. leaves the 99 because we matter that much to you whether we realize it or not we matter that much to you but thank you Lord that we're fearfully and wonderfully made warts and all gray hair, no hair doesn't matter you made us you love us help us to embrace that help us to take that narrative that message out into a world that maybe has never heard it ever so bless us now, Lord Jesus, that we can bless this world, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives right here on earth as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said amen. All right, God bless you guys. See you next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday. See you then. Well, thanks so much for joining us online today. We really are glad that you were with us. And hey, we'd love to see you in person if you're in the Traverse City area or even Metro Detroit. We'd love to see you at one of our Kensington services. And thanks again for sharing and liking our content on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. You really are a huge part of how we get our message of love and hope and restoration to the world. Well, we'll see you soon.